Thanks for tuning in to episode 99, friends. Welcome back to Coming Up Next, whether it's your first time tuning in or your 99th time tuning in to the Chat Cave. The podcast stays alive. It stays free. The entire back catalogue, which can be found at comingupnext.com.au, stays free. All thanks to you and a couple of things that you can do to help and to promote the show. Today's chat is with the producer of Dance Academy and Secret City, amongst many other things, Joanna Werner. But before we get into the interview this week, whether you are streaming this, whether you've downloaded the podcast, whatever you're doing, if you're listening in iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't have to worry about downloading the show or streaming it every week. You can just have it magically appear in your application. You can also leave a five-star rating and a review of the show. It helps in more ways than it probably should. Their algorithms all work on uh, rating and reviews and subscription numbers. So it's really important that you do this. It's going to help keep the momentum of coming up next rolling on for another 99 episodes. And it will allow me to keep getting you the amazing guests that I am able and very lucky to speak with on a weekly basis like this week's episode, number 99. Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. Thank you, Joe, for, for inviting me into your home um, with newborn baby and all. Yes, um, hopefully she's going to be very good. But yeah, lovely to have you here in not sunny, um, overclass setting in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> at least at least this is kind of uh, autumn weather. I think it's the same weather in London right now, but it's technically spring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I just got back actually from um, from being in Europe and it was exactly the same. And then I came home to, to, to Melbourne and, um, and I actually love our winter. So I think it's, it's exciting. Mm. I, I I must admit I am looking forward to going back and having a bit of summer. I think Maybe. I did two winters in a row. Maybe you'll get some summer. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you were just telling me actually off air that you, at the tail end of last year when your daughter was born, found out that you um, did a telemovie that you had, I guess, in the pipeline um, was being funded. What was the kind of process of, of getting to that point with that film? Well, we'd pitched it um, at the start of last year to the ABC and um, and heard back pretty quickly that they were they were really interested. And then, as any production, any project always has, um, it's it's time that it just seemed to take a long time. And wasn't sure if anything was happening. And then suddenly, two weeks after I'd had my little girl, I had a call that yes, they wanted it to happen, and it had to happen straight away. So suddenly, my uh, dreams of a lovely, relaxing um, maternity leave, where I'd catch up on reading and I'd watch all this stuff on TV, um, yeah, it turned into pulling together a finance plan and um, and getting everything moving with a very, very young. Uh, young little girl (laughs) but it happens which is great and in six weeks I moved to Sydney and we start um, pre-production we haven't announced what it is yet Um, ABC have um, have got an embargo on that just at the moment but I can say I'm I'm very excited about it it's the first um, first time I've worked with the adult department of the ABC I've done a lot with um, the kids department through Dance Academy yeah I'm I'm really excited about it and um, it already has a broadcast date um, for early next year so um, we'll be announcing more soon as soon as they tell us we can it's amazing it must be it must be quite cool and I suppose you get some perspective when you have a baby as well but about how kind of 
I'm going to say how far you've kind of come, but the kind of body of work that you've created for yourself and that you you do find yourself in this amazing situation of being able to constantly turn over new projects. I, absolutely. I feel incredibly grateful. I mean, a phone call like I had um, two weeks after having Adelaide, um, it, that's the sort of call that, you know, previously I would have waited, you know, a lifetime for and um and 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 I was so excited um and I, and I am so excited about the project but it is yeah it does it does put into into perspective that the last few years have been really fantastic and I've had a lot of great stuff happening and I hadn't expected this one to happen so quickly and I'm yeah I'm thrilled Joanna Werner is one of the most successful children's television producers of recent times. Her credits include Dance Academy, Elephant Princess, H2O Just Add Water and Ready For This. You can find Dance Academy on iTunes uh, with the feature film for Dance Academy set to be released on July 5th of 2017. Joanna is now also on the board of Screen Australia, but today she's going to jump into the chat cave and have a good old-fashioned ramble for episode 99 of Coming Up Next, the podcast. You grew up in regional Victoria, is that right? Yes, outside of Echuca, a little town called Gunbow, which is 300 people. Yeah, wow. Outside of that. (laughs) How does someone from um, just outside of Echuca kind of create a career that uh, where one of the last projects that you made in, involved filming and producing in the middle of Times Square and, and Battery Park in you know, one of the biggest cities in the world? I guess with a lot of luck and a lot of hard work. Um, it's not something that I thought that I'd be doing when I grew up. I um, grew up on a, a Lucent farm, um, which is what horses eat it's hay um and um and my mum's a teacher and I don't know anyone in the industry um growing up we didn't even have media studies wasn't a subject that was taught at my high school um and I had think I had thought that I'd be an engineer because I wanted to do something that was in a leadership role that worked with the team to create an end product and um and also potentially be in a role that a lot of women don't necessarily uh, succeed at and um so I was going to do engineering and at the last minute I had a change of heart I went to an open day at RMIT for their media studies course and I just thought it sounded so exciting and fantastic and I think I had some sort of thoughts of journalism but really was excited about the possibilities of of what it could bring and then um, after I did year 12 I did a um, I got offered to do a traineeship in television and video production with the Rocker Stedford I don't know if you know the Rocker Stedford it used to be a competition that high schools did that was eight minutes of um, of songs and choreography to music and um and so that was an opportunity that I, I couldn't turn down. And so I deferred uni for a year, for a year and did the um, worked in Sydney and then came back and did the three-year degree at, at RMIT in media studies. And it was week, probably week three of that course, the, the film and TV strand we were focusing on producing. And I just thought, well, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. It sort of had the things that I was interested in from engineering and, and it was leading a team of creative people to create an end product and I really haven't thought of any other career since since then. Growing up you were quite into ballet is that right? Yep absolutely from four years old I was doing ballet every week um, building up to eight hours a week um, from when I was about 14. Doesn't mean I was good at it but I, <laughs> but I liked it. <laughs> Do you remember 
you remember the f- your first experience of um, creating or producing uh, some form of entertainment or something? That first kind of experience that kind of informed the rest of your career, if that makes sense. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I and probably coming back to Rocksteadford, actually, my little high school um, in Atuka, we. I'd been involved with in our productions and then I decided in, in year 11 that I would run it and um, and it just enthused. The whole school got behind it. It's 100 kids dancing on stage. We ended up getting through to the the state finals and came second and it was just the, this sort of crappy little high school which doesn't exist anymore and it was technically um, class, classified as a disadvantaged school. The fact that we'd done something that everyone was so excited about and so positive and that we came second in the state, it was, um, and I choreographed that um, along with um, with a close friend and just it was this, and it had costumes and it had, you know, we had to get the music produced and um, it, was, it was sort of my first time of putting something that big together and it really mattered and it was something so positive and I actually think that informed a lot of Dance Academy for me as well. There's a lot of similarities. So once you finished uh, at, at RMIT, I mean, you know, as someone who has had a lot of experience both on set, uh, probably in a, I assume in a production office as well, and uh, at... Uh, film school what do you think the value is in in going to film school well I wouldn't be here if I hadn't um, gone to to done my degree Um, and then after in the final year of of uni I'd kind of felt like I'd been there for a long time and I'd probably lost a little bit of of interest in the pure academic side of it I mean you can only study and hand in essays so much but I really started doing a lot of short films and I started working with the VCA students um, producing short films for um, directing for directing um, students for the VCA and that was just reignited a whole nother level of passion and to be able to have access to the university's equipment and the ex-alumni um, that's just something that I wouldn't have been able to do so I know a lot of people go into film and TV because they have family or friend connections I didn't have that so for me uni and studying was the was the pathway and stepping outside of that when you finished film school and and did you continue to produce other people's work in that way or did you kind of step on to set in the workforce a a bit of both so my first job out of uni was as a researcher on a reality tv show called marry me and i had to find people who would um propose to their surprise their partners by proposing to them on television with these big (laughs) elaborate proposals it was a hilarious job and um but then on the side i was producing a short film from the vca and that was probably the hardest thing i've ever done doing something with your own credit card that you're as a producer you're the location manager production assistant caterer you just you're just everything um and trying to support the director to make a a great short film and yeah that was hard so I have such (laughs) respect for young filmmakers and believe me it does get easier it's so much easier to produce a six million dollar feature film than it is to produce a six thousand dollar um short film because you've got the support but um uh, yeah, so I, I'd, um, I was producing short films as well as getting any experience I could in the paid industry. So I was a runner on a feature film. I was a cable wrangler at the basketball for um, for Foxtel. I was a first AD on music videos, and but always trying to get short films up and financed um, so I could produce them because the only way you can learn to produce is through producing. And then amongst that, um, there was a job advertised um, at Jonathan M. Schiff Productions, who was a company who did Ocean Girl and all these 
shows that um, that I'd grown up watching and love kids TV and you never see a job advertised for a trainee producer but that that's what this was so I, I applied along with about 550 um, 550 other people. Um, 550,000 other people. No, nothing. Yeah, there were about 500 to 600 applicants. Yeah. And um, and from, you know, from lawyers to butchers to, you know, lots of people think they might like to be a producer. And I was really lucky and got, and got the job. Um, and I'm sure that was because I was actively trying to get short films up as well. So it showed that I just genuinely did want to be a producer. And then that was the, the best job I could have had in terms of, of training. I hear all these people who have been established in the industry for a long time that trained up through Crawfords and trained up maybe on something like All Saints, but shows that just repeated year after year. And that is so rare now. Um, So I was very lucky to work for a company that had show after show of 26 half-hour episode children's shows with big production values, big visual effects. And I worked my way up. um, And um, within about five years, I was producing a $13 million, 26 half-hour series called H2O Just Add Water, which is about teenage mermaids, which went on to do three series and then another reincarnation, which is still going now and sold so incredibly well around the world. And so, yeah, just incredibly lucky to, to be able to have the opportunity to produce at a young age with big budgets. Just to track back for a second to the, the short films that you were referring to, what kind of ways did you go about raising funds for those? Well, again, this probably doesn't, uh, isn't, uh, it's, it's, it's harder, it's harder now than it was. So I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to detract people, um, now who are trying to get up and done, um, get short films up, but then there were places that you could apply to. So you could apply to the state funding, funding bodies. You could apply the AFC used to exist for, for that sort of purpose. So we applied, got down to the shortlist for Film Vic, but got not backed and got, got not backed for another one, but then was successful through the AFC and we got $180,000 to make a short film called Heartworm and it was with an ex-VCA um, director who had had a really successful graduating film that had won the Dendy Award for Best Short Film and had got a, a cinematic release. So I knew that he was a young up-and-coming director that people wanted to um, support and um, it was a great script and yeah so nowadays the idea of getting somebody giving you $180,000 to make a short film is kind of unheard of mm. so again I was really lucky to have that opportunity. And then I went on to make a short feature with that same director, Ben Chessel, who um, I continue to work with now um, and has done his first feature and works a lot in, in TV and you can never get him. I, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly offering him work, but everyone else has got him. Um, but we did a 50-minute feature film through the SBS um, program that they had at that time and they financed, um, I think, about 10 uh, short features and things like Jew Boy for Tony Krowitz. Um, that was his, you know, real calling card. And a lot of a lot of filmmakers got a real leg up through through that sort of initiative. So again, that's something that doesn't exist at the moment. I hope something like that comes back again because we just need these talent escalator programs to give people their first opportunities. Mm. Well, your uh, was last year that you were uh or was it this year um that you've been put on the board of screen australia this year yeah i just had my first board meeting oh wow how was that fantastic yeah really really fantastic i feel very very lucky to be on board what well i suppose what sort of role would you i mean we're kind of skipping ahead here but what kind of role do you see yourself taking on in that kind of capacity um well i'd like to be a champion for children's television because i think it really needs one at the moment the commercial networks don't want to put the money into live action kids drama because it's a lot more expensive than animation and so 
shows that we all grew up loving and watching and that define your childhood um, around the twist and Ocean Girl and Secret Valley and, and an opportunity for kids to see themselves reflected and so we're not all talking like Americans or like Peppa Pig. I feel like yeah, that, that's an area that I'd really love to have some impact and be able to support. But also talent escalating and, um, and the Gender Matters um, program that Screen Australia uh, had started last year. I'd love to be involved in continuing to push that forward because it's ridiculous that so few of our directors uh, are female and cinematographers. We're quite well represented as producers. Um, but again, it's um, something that I feel like just it, it's so obvious that there should be equality in the workplace, but it's so obvious, but it, it's still not a, an actuality. So that, that's another area I hope to have some sort of involvement in. Yeah, film seems to be uh, almost antiquated in, in a lot of its kind of core values um, yeah. in terms of not only gender equality, but also things like workplace bullying and sexism and, you know, all of those sort of things, uh, the, the sort of hours that are required of people to work. It's... Uh, yeah, it can be quite startling at times, I think. It is, and it's. I think a lot of it's because we're all freelancers, and it's not that we're working for PwC and have you know ten and, and have ongoing employment where you know you have to look after people with families and you have to look after you know really deal with any issues that arise because you have such a big workforce. Every time I, I start a new production, sorry, that's right. Adelaide's crying. <laughs> She's disagreeing with the... Uh, Glam. Yeah. Um, every time I start a new production, I start a new special purpose vehicle company. You employ everybody from scratch. Everybody's sort of on, maybe on a 26 half hour show like Dance Academy when we quite often as much as possible got the same crew back that was a really long lot of employment for people but quite often you're on you know four week contracts or three month contracts so to deal with issues you know that come up in other workplaces um, I think sometimes it's easy to sweep them under the carpet a bit more because it's so short and because when I hire when you hire someone they're a freelancer they're not your full-time employee it's it's yeah so I think it's it's certainly coming up as more of an issue um treating yeah that 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 all those issues still come up even in a freelance basis Mm. i think it's i think it's also well to kind of um, expand on your point uh i think particularly at the lower levels it there's there's a fear around losing your job or around not being given another job so kind of putting up with whatever the circumstances are that you're kind of put into and i just have to say as as a producer um that if I, I just think you have to not be afraid to speak up mm. because if anything happened in a workplace that I was in charge of that I wasn't aware of, I'd just be horrified to think of it had happened. And so I just think that if you're young and starting off, you absolutely don't have to put up with any of those situations. And yes, you have to work really hard and, and yes, you have to probably do more hours than, than you'd like and and so can't complain about working hard, <laughs> I, I would, but no. you can complain, of it, but you can make it known if, if there are uncomfortable situations and nobody should ever, ever in any workplace feel that they have to put up with that and think that it would um, jeopardise their, their future, future mm. employment. Yeah, no, I, I sorry, agree. I sound like I'm preaching, but I think no, it's no. really important. I, I agree with you. I, you know, just was working on a film where I felt like I was being um, treated in, uh, in, in eff- effectively bullied. Uh, and I did, I did stand up for myself to this person, but that's because I, I think I have the kind of, I have experience. I, I'm, I'm old enough to kind of know 
uh, what where where my power lies. But I would see you know lots of people who were sort of ten years my junior who were being treated in that way and just kind of. And you meant to be so grateful to get a job and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, so I, I understand it can be a difficult situation. And I absolutely started from the ground up as well. Mm. But as you say, you just have to you have to you have to have the confidence to back yourself, and you have to have the confidence to be able to to say something. Um, but yeah, I I would say again, you just have to, you have to be prepared to work really hard because um, I do think that some people come out of film school thinking. I'm a director. That's what I'm going to do. If you're not a director at, at, when you've just come out of film school, you're, you know, you've got to be prepared to do absolutely anything. And, um, yeah. And I, I, I think sometimes the hard work can be a little bit of a surprise for, for some people when they start off as well. Yeah. It's def- it's certainly, uh, you know, it's an endurance event. It's not a sprint. Absolutely. Um, and that's what I found more and more now. And that's something that I, I really keep in mind. Um, when I started off, I really, had it in my head I wanted to be a producer I wanted to be a really young producer and I wanted to get you know you said all these everyone does you know I want to have my feature film done by this stage and all that sort of stuff and um and now I realize actually it's a long career you know (laughs) I feel like I'm just starting and um I've got 30 years of work in front of me and and it can can't do you know 80 hour a week every every week and yeah as you say it can't be a sprint non-stop yeah so when you were Working for Jonathan Schiff, uh, you know, you said after a few years you were producing a $13 million series. And I, I suppose from that sort of point, what was the pathway for you into really establishing yourself as a producer and then creating your own production company from there? So I'd definitely done the hard years and hard work to to earn that first shot at being a producer and then um, that went well I did another series with Jonathan Schiff called The Elephant Princess and then a second series of um, of H2O on the first series my technical title was associate producer but on The Elephant Princess it was and on the second series of H2O it was producer and then on The Elephant Princess it was producer so by the time by that stage I'd met the fabulous creator and writer of Dance Academy, Sam Strauss, and she was a casting associate um, on the first series of H2O. So um, we were sort of two young females in quite an older male-dominated crew, and we got along really well. And then um, I I, I know if Sam's listening, she'll... uh, have heard me say this tell this story a million times but we were drinking at the pre-shoot drinks and at two in the morning she asked me what show would I make if I could make any show in the world and I said I wanted to I wanted to make a show about a girl from the country who gets in the top ballet school and Sam thought I was kidding because and I must have heard that that's a project that she'd written um and and I hadn't hadn't heard it at all and then she gave me a script the next day and it was just brilliant it was the best script I'd ever read and I still stand by that I think she just was such a a natural talent and it was just the show that I wanted to make so I said about she had an agent um and I said about fighting to prove that I was the one who who should um make that show and and option it and then um we went about developing it together she'd done so much work and had you know mountains and mountains of development um and then over the course of producing h2o and then the elephant princess we worked together and on weekends until we thought this is a we, we can pitch this now and i knew by that and i thought by that stage i had enough experience to be able to hold my head up and say I'm a producer so I started my own production company and we pitched it to the ABC and we pitched it to ZDF in Germany who had been the partners that I'd worked with um, with 
when uh, through my time with Jonathan Schiff and they both said yes and that's kind of unheard of as well that we didn't pitch it around to a million people and yeah we we spent a year I think we probably spent another six months then um, developing it on my kitchen table and um, and then we went into production on it's Dance amazing. Academy yeah it's, it's a good story <laughs> yeah it's really you know just a kind of perfect stars aligning sort of moment I guess underpinned by really hard work yeah absolutely and and also just this is the show regardless of whether I I thought that I was the most experienced producer I just knew that I was the right producer to make this show um it all my um years of doing ballet and Sam and I connected on just a love of Mitchell shows we loved my so-called life and Felicity and um you know the, the the and these ballet books that we'd grown up um reading and so we just connected on such a creative level and um and yeah that just gave me the confidence to absolutely go for it to get Dance Academy up so that's why I started the company to make Dance Academy it hadn't been something that I'd been planning for a long time and had <laughs> sorry Adelaide's just gotten louder that's all right um but she yeah she likes so, Dance Academy yeah she does she's heard it a lot <laughs> and yeah so we, I started the company for Dance Academy and then to have that go into the first series and then we went straight into a second series we had to fight pretty hard to get a third series up because of the funding models and um yeah just so you know it's such a great thing to have been able to start the company and to have those three shows, um, three series back to back of Dance Academy. In terms of starting up your own production company, I guess you kind of had the experience of working for Jonathan um, Jonathan Schiff's company. So to see, I guess the um, the kind of business side of uh, running running a company. But for anyone who would be interested in starting their own production company, how did you sort of how did you tackle the the more business side of that world you just have to make sure that you've surrounded by really good people so I think one of the one of my smart moves was that I went to the Australian Children's Television Foundation and asked them if they would come on board as executive producers because I knew that I could go to the ABC and hold my head up and say I've produced three series with X um, million dollars of of budget so I, I can deliver but here are the Australian Children's Television Foundation with their years of experience acting as EPs and essentially as guarantors to say this show will be finished and it will be of a high standard. So it just gave them the assurance that it would be done and the ACTF have just been you know, such huge supporters of Dance Academy and of me th- throughout that time. So it was a, a really clever move, I think. Mm, definitely. So I would say that if somebody's starting off, to have a mentor or an executive producer um, to come on board to, to help um, and to give assurance to the people you're pitching to that, that you'll deliver um, and then I'd also say make sure you've got a great backup of a great lawyer and a great accountant yeah <laughs> my accountant's so, sort of my life guru you know he's, right. he's fantastic he's supported me from when I was a student I came to came to him with a bag full of receipts for four years worth of tax I hadn't done and he sat down <laughs> and helped me every bit of it and he's helped me structure the business every step along the way yeah wow no accounting for uh, accidental <laughs> pun no. um, for for good mentorship. Absolutely. Uh, so, what what is it about kids TV for you that really ignites you? Um, I just think that what it does for the audience is so important. Um, I at my a high school in health classes our teacher didn't ever really teach us anything she just put on episodes of Degrassi and, um, <laughs> and, I, and you know you grew up loving it and when you're experiencing um, you know such ups and downs of emotions as a teenager to have 
things like books or shows or movies that can help you sort of make sense of it and reflect what you're going through back at you. Um, I think it's a really, you know, it's a special time to have and, and stories matter during that time. And, um, yeah, I, I think TV has a, has a great opportunity to reach reach kids at a time in their lives when um, when it can really make a difference. And I know through the feedback we've had about Dance Academy that it's really, it's mattered to people and, um, and, and it's had positive impact in their lives. What was it like for you when you started to see, you know, we were talking off air about, um, you know, getting feedback on your kind of creative endeavours. What what was it like for you when you started to see the actual impact and the influence that this show that you know that you guys had created was having? That was amazing. Um, after I remember the so the first series we shot for twenty six weeks and it's all in a bit of a bubble. Nobody's heard of it. Um, but then when we were shooting the final scenes of the second series, the first series had been on air and we were filming on the steps of the opera house and there were just fans everywhere and they were going bananas and um, it's just such a different from the year previously when we've been filming and nobody had a clue who we were and you could see you know from from the reaction of the kids that the the show mattered and then um, our wonderful distributors in Germany took me and um, some of our cast to to Europe for a publicity tour and um, you know to see a hundred people lining up in Berlin to to see these kids from from Australia was amazing and to know that it had reached internationally. Mm, it must be quite a mind-blowing or kind of boggling yeah. experience. Yeah, I had a quiet tear behind the toy counter <laughs> in the store that we were doing the signing in. Yeah. Mm. And some of the letters we've received are amazing. Um, we received this one letter from a girl in Norway. She and her best friend had decided after watching Dance Academy to, to do dance classes and they, you know, they weren't ballet bodies and they'd never thought of doing it but it gave them the confidence and then you know tragically her best friend was killed in the Oslo shootings and um and she stayed in a house for for months and and didn't see any friends and couldn't come out of her shell again after this huge tragedy in her life so she started watching Dance Academy again which was something that they used to do together and and it was through watching that that she decided that she should go back to dance classes that's what her friend would want and she sort of got back in touch with her other friends and it she just wrote to say thank you for it helping her through such a difficult time in her life you know that that sort of stuff makes a you know that that makes a huge impact on you Mm, definitely so with the kind of success of dance academy what did you can't did you see a lot of opportunities start to open up for you and for your production company yeah the first the big one was this potential to do a feature film um i definitely when i started um, the thought of wanting to be a producer was to make feature films. TV wasn't really something that anyone really thought about and you kind of, you know, it was definitely a lesser third cousin. And then when I got into work with television through Jonathan Schiff, I realised this is, you know, TV is amazing. You get to do show after show rather than work for four years to do one feature. You get to hone your craft with script writing. I got all this experience with, with budgets and with crews and with visual effects that when you're doing one feature every three years, you just don't get. So I really felt like I was so lucky to get onto the TV thing a bit earlier than a lot of people. Now everyone wants to do TV. All the film production companies are now in TV. Um, but I've been in TV now for 17 years. And um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like I was really lucky to get onto that early. But... <laughs> She agrees you were lucky. It was still, it was absolutely a a dream to do a feature. So the success of Dance Academy, the TV series, being able to 
to then have this that the feature might be a possibility and now it's happened that that was sort of the biggest payoff you could have mm. so the 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 feature uh, we spoke very briefly about before was um shot in uh in new york as well what was that experience like for you as a as a producer um, coordinating something in that sort of environment um we really wanted the feature film to be a big cinematic experience and to elevate from the TV show. And we'd already shot Sydney beautifully in the TV show. Our, our cinematographer, Martin McGrath, is an incredibly experienced um, feature feature cinematographer. He did Proof and Muriel's Wedding. And oh, wow. um, so with the TV series, we'd always said we wanted it to look big and to look cinematic. And, um, and set in Sydney, we did helicopter shots and, um, you know, right on the harbour. It was beautiful. So to, we had to think of ways how, that we could elevate the feature film. Um, we couldn't just show Sydney again because we'd done that. <laughs> so to be able to then take it to, to New York was a really fantastic way of just visually showing this was a step up from the, um, from the TV show. Um, but with that came, you know, the reality of actually having to film there. But our director, Jeffrey Walker, he works a lot. So I met Jeffrey um, on H2O as well, on the same show that I met Sam. Um, he used to be an actor, didn't he? Yeah, he was on Round the Twist and mm. he was in Ocean Girl and um, a very familiar face if you grew up in the 90s. Yeah. And he still looks about 14 now, but right. <laughs> um, incredibly experienced. And he had worked in New York on a Hulu show called Difficult People. Um, and so he'd shot there quite a bit. And so he had a crew that he'd worked with and he got us in touch with the production company and they were just lifesavers. Um, so they they ran things for us there and we took a small crew over, our hair and makeup um, cinematographer, Jeffrey, our director, Sam and I and our line producer and, um, and our cast went over and all the rest of the crew were local. And we actually only shot for four days in New York, although about 75% of the film is set in New York. So we achieved an incredible amount in that time, but shot very long hours and, and moved multiple locations a day. And it was 44 degrees. Um, July in New York is not a fun time to be there. Yeah. Um, so our cast came over, jet lagged, next day on set in Times Square, shooting for 12-hour days. Um, so amazing credit to them that they, they, they pulled it off. You're ready for this. Was that um, before or was that, that was after? So that was before the feature, before but the after feature. the series. Um, and that was a co-venture with Blackfella Films. And it's a fantastic show. I mean, ridiculously, it's one of the first teenage dramas with a almost all-Indigenous cast. Yeah, um, wow. I mean, we should have done that years and years ago. Um, uh, but we're incredibly proud that it was done. We had an incredible cast um, and I've just gotten back from Cannes where we were nominated for an international Emmy for it. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. We won um, uh, Logie and, and Actor Logie Awards and for Actor. that. yep. And, uh, and a bunch of things overseas. So it's really sort of won as much acclaim as, as it could and certainly we had fantastic feedback from, um, from the audience in Australia and the best thing was that we heard that Indigenous, indigenous communities were watching it. Um, yeah. So to have their faces and stories reflected back at them is, you know, that's something that I'm very proud of. How do you, I suppose, at the, perhaps at the beginning of the show, how do you set out to, and then once it's created, does that evolve in terms of how you perceive a show or a project's success? So awards are, are absolutely lovely, but I think it, it's the audience reaction, which is, I think, the only way you can really perceive a show's success. A show I produced 
last year, the year before last, um, Secret City, which is a six-part political thriller for Foxtel that I did with Matchbox. Foxtel, because it's it's not in every house in Australia, the numbers are never going to be the same as one of the commercial networks or the ABC. Um, But So you can't judge it just on numbers, but the critical acclaim and the um, reviews and the fan responses, um, I guess the way that you know that something's been really well received. What do you what do you kind of hope for when when you are um, in the infancy of, of a new project? Um, that it'll find a core audience that love it. Um, so I guess it depends for um, for a teen drama, you really really want it to, to matter intensely to to its audience in a way that it can't so much with adult audiences. I just I don't feel like we get quite as obsessed with things adults as we do when we're kids. Um, but with something like Dance Academy, you know, we wanted, we wanted it to, wanted the fans to love it, but we also wanted box office because we wanted the the distributors to have confidence that there's a teenage, there's a market for teenage films because we keep being told that that's a market that people are very scared of. Um, so yeah, in that instance, it did come down to we actually, you know, we wanted numbers and and box office results. What what do you kind of see uh, moving forward in in the Australian film and television industry? Um, how do you see opportunities for young or early career producers and, and filmmakers? I do think it's a really hard environment because those factories of production like there was with Crawfords and ongoing um, ongoing TV shows are not there as much. The trend is, is towards shorter run things, um, six episodes, um, six one-hour episodes and, and things like that. Um, but I still think I, I'm... I think that people need to have a lot of initiative and to go out there and try to, to, to you do have to create the opportunities. But I think attachments are great. And, um, and really I'm surprised how few people really chase attachments. And so I always have a try to make it work um, for people if they can. Um, and yeah, so I think people really need to, to go out there and, and chase it. Mm. Mm. It's not very tangible advice, but I do think, <laughs> I do think attachments are fantastic. And I think... You can only learn um, to be a producer or a director by producing or directing. So you need to be doing your own work. And I do think it's a, it's a great time in that respect because technology has come a long way from when I was at uni in 2000 um, that you can make things yourself now and that equipment is more accessible and editing is more accessible and things like that. Do you think Adelaide will be a ballet dancer slash producer? think so we're hoping she might be a, a surfer or okay, whatever she wants it's probably something that I, I wouldn't encourage her to be an actor I think being an actor is a really tough one but if you if you obviously if you want something and you love it you've got to chase it is, is her father in the biz no or? not at all not at all well thank you so much Joanna for uh, inviting me into your home and um, letting me hang out with Adelaide Thank you. Shoot the breeze. I, I finish all of my conversations with one question. That uh, question is, what makes you silly? Um, well, you have to be pretty silly to entertain a four-month-old. Um, <laughs> so I would say I have excellent rapping, um, rapping baby rhyme skills. Rapping baby rhyme oh, skills. Yeah. What's your favourite rhyme, Adelaide? She'll have to tell you in a, in a few months' time. <laughs> but she's very impressed. She thinks I'm hilarious. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Thank you so much, Joanna. Thank you.